The prophet promises that as proof of the truth of his prophecy, the wicked king of the northern kingdom of Israel would not return, and indeed, the king is fatally wounded in battle. King Jehoshaphat of Judah survives, and upon returning to the south, he is reprimanded by a prophet. Welcome to Bible 365, episode 295, Jehoshaphat's Prayer. I'm Mayor Soloveitchik. One of the many memorable scenes in the memorable movie Patton, in which George C. Scott portrays the general with all his gifts and flaws, takes place during the Battle of the Bulge, when better weather is required by the Allied forces in order that air cover could be given the troops. In the movie, Patton calls over a chaplain and says to him, I'm sick and tired of the Third Army having to fight the Germans in this ungodly weather. I want a prayer, a weather prayer. And the chaplain replies, A weather prayer, sir? And Patton immediately says, Yes, let's see if you can get God working for us in this thing. To this, the chaplain responds, I don't know how this is going to be received, General, praying for good weather so we can kill our fellow man. And Patton says, Well, I can assure you, because of my intimate relations with the Almighty, If you write a good prayer, we'll have good weather, and I expect that prayer within an hour. We then see in the film Patton stroll out into the snow with a prayer composed by the chaplain, where he reads from it as follows. Almighty and most merciful Father, we humbly beseech thee of thy great goodness to restrain this immoderate weather with which we've had to contend. Grant us fair weather for battle. Graciously hearken to us as soldiers who call upon thee, that armed with thy power we may advance from victory to victory and crush the oppression and wickedness of our enemies, and establish thy justice among men and nations. Amen. Now, what is interesting is that according to the chaplain involved in this story, he actually, in truth, had no hesitation about composing the prayer. We have sent you a link to the account given by that chaplain, a man named Monsignor James H. O'Neill. O'Neill describes how 250,000 copies of the prayer were printed and distributed to the troops, and how he, O'Neill, sent a letter to all the chaplains in the Third Army that said as follows, At this stage of the operations, I would call upon the chaplains and the men of the Third United States Army to focus their attention on the importance of prayer. Our glorious march from the Normandy beach across France to where we stand, before and beyond the Siegfried Line, with the wreckage of the German army behind us, should convince the most skeptical soldier that God has ridden with our banner. Pestilence and famine have not touched us. We have continued in unity of purpose. We have had no quitters, and our leadership has been masterful. The Third Army has no roster of retreats, none of defeats. We have no memory of a lost battle to hand on to our children from this great campaign. But we are not stopping at the Siegfried line. Tough days may be ahead of us before we eat our rations in the chancellery of the Deutsches Reich. As chaplains, it is our business to pray. We preach its importance. We urge its practice. But the time is now to intensify our faith in prayer, not alone with ourselves, but with every believing man, Protestant, Catholic, Jew, or Christian, in the ranks of the Third United States Army. End quote. So O'Neill wrote, and then, a bit later in the letter, the chaplain cited the Hebrew Bible, quote, Gideon of Bible fame was leased in his father's house. He came from Israel's smallest tribe, but he was a mighty man of valor, His strength lay not in his military might, but in his recognition of God's proper claims upon his life. He reduced his army from 32,000 to 300 men, lest the people of Israel would think that their valor had saved them. We have no intention to reduce our vast striking force. 
but we must urge, instruct, and indoctrinate every fighting man to pray as well as fight. And then, a bit later in the letter, he added, Pray for the cessation of immoderate rains, for good weather for battle. Pray for the defeat of our wicked enemy, whose banner is injustice and whose good is oppression. Pray for victory. Pray for our army. And pray for peace. End quote. To read the chaplain's account is to imagine a time when an entire army prayed as one. And the chaplain was right to note that the importance of prayer in battle is central to the Hebrew Bible, and it is central to a tale of a Davidic king in the book of Chronicles. From King Asa, we turn in Chronicles to the next king of Judah, King Jehoshaphat. Chapter 18, verse 3. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat, because he walked in the ways of his father David, and sought not unto the Baalim, but he sought to the Lord God of his father, and walked in his commandments, and not after the doings of Israel. Therefore the Lord stabilized the kingdom in his hand, and all Judah brought to Jehoshaphat presence, and he had riches and honor and abundance. And his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord. Moreover, he took away the high places and groves out of Judah. Thus, Jehoshaphat embraces God, eradicates idolatry, and he is rewarded with security. Thus we are told in verse 10, And the fear of the Lord fell upon all the kingdoms of the lands that were round about Judah, so that they made no war against Jehoshaphat. And yet, and yet, the peace bestowed by God does not last, for Jehoshaphat, or in Hebrew Jehoshaphat, makes a mistake. He is invited by the wicked ruler of the northern kingdom, Ahab, Ahab, to join him in battle. All of the men employed by Ahab as his quote-unquote prophets assure victory, but one righteous seer by the name of Micaiah, consulted by Jehoshaphat, relays his vision of what will actually occur, and he is struck by one of Ahab's men. Micaiah says in verse 22, Now therefore, behold, the Lord hath put a lying spirit in the mouth of these thy prophets, and the Lord hath spoken evil against thee. Then Zedekiah the son of Hananiah came near, and smote Micaiah upon the cheek, and said, Which way went the Spirit of the Lord from me to speak unto thee? And Micaiah said, Behold, thou shalt see on that day when thou shalt go into an inner chamber to hide thyself. Then the king of Israel said, Take ye Micaiah, and carry him back to Ammon the governor of the city, and to Joash the king's son, and say, Thus saith the king, Put this fellow in the prison, and feed him with bread of affliction, and with water of affliction, until I return in peace. And Micaiah said, If thou certainly return in peace, then the Lord hath not spoken by me. Thus, the prophet promises that as proof of the truth of his prophecy, the wicked king of the northern kingdom of Israel would not return, and indeed, the king is fatally wounded in battle. King Jehoshaphat of Judah survives, and upon returning to the south, he is reprimanded by a prophet. Chapter 19. And Jehoshaphat the king of Judah returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Yehu the son of Hanani the seer went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, Shouldst thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. As we have seen, a feeling of unity with the entire people of Israel is stressed by the Bible as utterly essential. But a feeling of unity with a wicked, idolatrous ruler was wrong. Then in the next chapter we read how the divinely guaranteed peace granted to Jehoshaphat is no longer. Ammon, Moab, and others unite to attack Judah. And now Jehoshaphat illustrates that he still understands what was made manifest in the previous battle, that God delivers victory and righteousness before God is essential. Chapter 20, verse 5. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the Gentiles? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? God delivers a prophetic message 
that salvation would arrive. And we are told how, as Jehoshaphat appoints people to pray, God turns the different enemy factions against each other. Verse 21. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, that they should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord, for his loyal love endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, every one helped to destroy the other. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies, fallen to the earth, and none escaped. The Bible goes on to describe how following this prayerful praise and victory, the army of Judah gathered in a valley where they offered blessings to God, birachot. Thus, that location was known as Amek Bracha, the valley of blessing. And then verse 27 tells us, Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. The point of this story, of course, is not to discount the importance of effort and strategy in military engagement. But the Tanakh is stressing to us here the importance of Jehoshaphat embracing the legacy of his ancestor David which is always seeing God as the true source of success. And this, in the end, is what Chaplain James O'Neill stresses in his own account. I will cite several different parts of it, and you can see it in its entirety in the link we have sent you. Quote, The timing of the prayer story is important. Let us rearrange the dates. The prayer conference with General Patton was 8 December. The 664th Engineer Topographical Company, at the order of Colonel David H. Tully, CE, Assistant to the 3rd Army Engineer, working night and day, reproduced 250,000 copies of the prayer card. The Adjutant General, Colonel Robert S. Cummings, supervised the distribution of both the prayer cards and training letter number 5 to reach the troops by December 12 to 14. The breakthrough was on December 16, in the First Army Zone, when the Germans crept out of the Schnee Eiffel Forest in the midst of heavy rains, thick fogs, and swirling ground mist that muffled sound, blotted out the sun, and reduced visibility to a few yards. The few divisions on the Luxembourg frontier were surprised and brushed aside. They found it hard to fight an enemy. They could neither see nor hear. For three days, it looked to the jubilant Nazis as if their desperate gamble would succeed. And then O'Neill adds a bit later that, quote, had the bad weather continued, there was no telling how far the Germans might have advanced. On the 19th of December, the 3rd Army turned from east to north to meet the attack. As General Patton rushed his divisions north from the Saar Valley to the relief of the beleaguered Bastion, the prayer was answered. On December 20th, to the consternation of the Germans and the delight of American forecasters, who were equally surprised at the turnabout, the rains and the fogs ceased. For the better part of a week came bright, clear skies and perfect flying weather. Our planes came over by tens, hundreds, and thousands. And he adds further, the 101st Airborne, with the 4th, 9th, and 10th Armored Divisions, which saved Bastion, and other divisions which assisted so valiantly in driving the Germans home, will testify to the great support rendered by our air forces. End quote. To remember the story of 250,000 troops praying for weather is to remember a time when the importance of prayer in moments of war and crisis was taken for granted by America. And to read this story and to ponder the biblical importance of prayer is to hope for a time when prayer's importance can be embraced in our culture once again. This is Mayor Soloveitchik. Looking forward to learning together tomorrow. Signing off.